Welcome back to another edition of It's Raining Mets, meteorologist Ed Russo. And meteorologist Tom Russell here. Hello. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Great to have everybody along on this uh, exciting podcast. And I, you know, I hate to get us off on the wrong foot, but have we really turned the corner? Could it be snow still possible? Anything's possible. Anything <laughs> was possible last year, and the same applies to this year. But let's let's hope not. It, it always see? appears. Yeah. Um, I, I do see some chilly stuff right at the beginning of April. Mm-hmm. So. It, if you're listening to this uh, on my broadcast this week, I caution folks about getting too far ahead of yourself as far as planting stuff. Because if you look at the data, the average date of last frost is April 15. So it's the middle of April. So the general unwritten rule around central PA is you don't plant anything that's not hardy until Mother's Day. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I think that's why one of the iconic photos is flowers and stuff. It's like, uh, green good light point. To plant everything. So be careful if you get ahead of yourself. So yeah. do, do you plant anything? Are you a gardening guy? I, I mean, I do like to be self-sufficient. So I do like planting my own herbs that can grow on a porch in a pot, Ooh. like potted, right. potted stuff, uh, basil, um, oregano, rosemary, which is pretty hardy. That 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 can That's good. chives, yeah. chives. They're real hardy. They can survive a brutal winter. Um, uh, I, love, I, I love growing tomatoes. Um, you do that on the porch because they kind of grow all over the bush. Yeah, yeah. Vines. I mean, I so I get a potted one and I get one of those. Um, what do you call them? They're those uh, metal things that keep the oh, tomato plant frame. From, from growing everywhere. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. So it, it's just hard though. Like you, you, you buy a tomato plant and sometimes your yield just isn't good. Like you may get right. five good tomatoes and you know they don't ripen and they're not ready until two to three months after you first <laughs> plant the seedling. Yeah. yeah, no, I try. And anytime I, I move to a new place, I always try to get an area or a porch that has an, a, a location where I get good sun exposure. Ah, good point. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, no, I do. I do try to, I do try to grow my own, my own stuff. Good for you. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Very impressed. So what does your gut say? Do you think we'll get another cold snap here as we yeah. head into uh, April? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm seeing what you're seeing and, uh, you know, April is one of those months where it's, it's just like the, the cold, a cold spring or, or the winter can, can just drag, you know? Yeah. You're everybody's ready. All right, I'm really ready for it to be warm, consistently warm, and and everything. And and April can always have some surprises with it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, Easter is what the fourth this year. So you know, in the past, we've had snow around Easter. That that's not that unusual. It's rare, but it's not that unusual. Um, and that makes those Easter egg hunts much harder. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Um, but I, I definitely see a couple of cold snaps as we start uh, April here. Uh, the I think the telling tale though is that if you go over the last, I think it's more than twelve months now. Only one month has been below average, and that was February, and that was only like. 0.1 degree below average. Right. So we, we've been on a roll here where things have certainly been warmer than average. So uh, March is certainly warmer than average, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we're shaping up tomorrow to be what looks like to be uh, well into the 70s, it looks like. Yeah, and yep, and pretty mild over the weekend. As yeah. it was recording, so, at least. Yeah, and uh, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. But what it does is it kind of puts you – 
in that frame of mind where, oh, yeah, spring's here. And then when you do get those days that are stuck in the 40s or low 50s, you're like, wait, what happened? I thought we were over that. And just a word of caution, we're not over those days yet. No, I mean, we really aren't aren't done until after mid-May. I mean, I've seen flakes fly on May Day, you know. Wow. Well, well, second week historically, it backs you up. So uh, if you take anything away from this podcast is, you know, if you're a green thumb, use caution, uh, be smart. And if you're planting stuff, do it like uh, Ed does and use the the potted stuff that you can bring inside and and protect if need be, Uh, which leads us to severe weather. We kind of touched on this on the last podcast. Actually, Tom, we were going to talk about something before we get there. I apologize. No, Um, go ahead. But since you were just talking about the the planting stuff, um, there's a little story I've I've been working on as of this recording, which would be a third. Oh right, right, right. Yeah. This is about moving twigs and stuff. Yeah, moving dead branches and leaves. You know, everybody wants to find any excuse to get outside, especially when it's warmer. Yeah. I mean, we we had we had a long winter. Uh, right. You know, and a good chunk of that was obviously in February. But, um, you know, we've had a. People have also been cooped up inside because of the, you know, ongoing health situation, health crisis. So you probably want to do that green thumb spring cleaning, getting your gardens all nice and pretty for the spring and summer. The problem with it is if you clear out those dead branches and leaves too soon, you could actually be removing some very valuable critters. And what I mean by that is uh, pollinators. Uh, butterflies, egg sacs that contain so, bees. So, are you talking the? What's really? That? Yeah, yeah, so even, yeah. So even stuff. Actually... What's that? <laughs> We're talking over <laughs> each other. <laughs> Sorry. You mean even stuff like say in the middle of your lawn, kind of twigs, or they have to be? I, I would say you know your lawn is already pretty well manicured, but I'm talking about like all of the leaves and twigs that maybe pile up around the base of a bush. Or a tree, oh, I see. You know, in the flower beds or whatever. Yeah, the flower beds, the you know where you typically have the mulch. You know, people gotcha. also want to mulch and and get and and add that you know really nice textured brown to their gardens. Right. Um, but the thing is, again, uh, in those dead leaves and twigs are habitats which contain, uh, you know, caterpillars, eggs that contain you know what will be bees. And, you know, a lot of them don't really come out until the temperatures are consistently above 50 degrees, which are we're almost basically at that point. But again, we get to those uh, those chills like we were just talking about with April coming up. It's a good idea to really wait until you have a a long stretch to permanent stretch of 50 or more degrees in temperature to to safely remove that stuff. So spring cleaning like you know mid-april depending on the on the situation i mean once you see the butterflies and stuff already coming out it's probably safe to to discard it but if you take away all that stuff too soon and 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 discard it you're not you're the the pollination machine isn't going to be as efficient you know during the growing season when you're trying to get the vibrant flowers to pop up even your tomato plants even some of your vegetable gardens uh, can use some you know you can always get hand pollinator but why do it if nature can take care of it for you, you know? I wasn't thinking of that because, you know, I live in a household of, of all women. So in their world, every bug is bad. Yeah. And <laughs> so as you clean out stuff, uh, they don't want to keep any of the bugs. So what kind of bugs are good? Do you, like even the, uh, you said the butterflies, obviously. Um, are, are the insects good for, for just pollinating or do they uh, eat you know, the bad you know, stuff? They're, or? they're also good. A lot of, you know, um, 
a lot of you know certain I, I don't know which one specifically but there are a lot of pollinators that will eat uh pests you know one oh. of the biggest ones is the lantern fly oh you know? that's getting worse yeah. and worse around here. right it's getting worse and worse and a, a lot of the good i believe praying mantises are they're an example of a good bug and they eat yeah, a lot of bad that. ones and right praying mantis uh your young uh pra praying mantises will be you know in that in in that in that debris, debris and everything leaf right? litter huh? they call it leaf litter Leaf litter. Oh, I like that litter. term. Yes, yeah, alliteration right. that really makes it sound good. <laughs> so when my wife says, hey, go out and uh, part of your honey-do list is to clean up that mess, I'll say, no, honey, I can't. Ed told me it's leaf litter. Yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> I what? I like it. I wish I had this information back when I was a little kid because that, that way when my parents said, all right, time to go out and rake, I'm like, no, no, we got to wait till uh, we got to wait till May to do that. Yeah, leaf litter. I mean, <laughs> come on. Leaf litter is value, invaluable. So, awesome yeah. that's good stuff man I, I wouldn't have thought of that because you know your instinct is just to get rid of all that stuff because it, it just looks nasty uh, but there's there's good stuff in there oh, yeah. so I, I guess it's along the same lines as mulch you know uh, you know mulch is breaking down over time and uh, composting and, and that kind of stuff so ultimately that's good yeah absolutely all right so let's uh, sneak ahead and talk about severe weather um, the last couple of weeks we've been dealing with severe weather in the southeast and not just severe weather, but above average severe weather in the sense that, you know, you always hear us talk about the threat levels. These have been five out of five on the threat scale. So we know we're dealing with some serious threats and they're, you know, here through March, they're, they've been devastating already. So does that mean things are going to be more active for us? And I tend to think yes, because I think we talked about this in the past where we really didn't have much of a severe season last year, um, but this year could be different. That's why we have to be ready. Yeah, you know, and when you were alluding to the threat levels, I mean, this is now, you know, within about a week where we've had two high risks issued. Ultra high risk, yep. yeah. That, you know, you have your, your marginal, slight, enhanced, moderate, and high, which are all risk uh assessments that are put out by the uh storm prediction center out of norman oklahoma to communicate the risk of severe weather for any given day across any given part of the country right and they hardly ever issue high before last week when alabama and mississippi were under a high yeah it's pretty rare uh it was 2019 we the, yeah. yeah that's a good thing about 2020 we didn't have a whole we didn't have a high risk day at all yeah you thank know? goodness um but this is not you don't see a high risk every year and now we've seen two high risks almost within a week of each other and the last the last high risk verified we had we had a couple strong yep. tornadoes especially moved through Alabama and it looks like you know based on what i've been seeing so far today there was another tornado yeah. that passed by south of Tuscaloosa i think near Moundville right. correct and they, they saw a strong one last week so yeah same area same, same spot area. so I'm, I'm curious how close those tornado paths were together but this wasn't just a tornado it was a conf another confirmed large destructive tornado roughly in the same area yeah and i think we've really got to be on guard for this season as we you know head towards our severe season tends to be later tends to be may and june uh, but certainly we need to be on our toes and and be ready so we always like to you know, we talk about it a lot, but just reemphasize that, you know, know what to do if, if severe weather is headed your way. Um, does everybody in the family know what to do in a tornado warning? 
Uh, you had mentioned, I think, on another podcast about, you know, is there somebody who is elderly and maybe not able to get to that safe place, better off getting them to that safe place ahead of time. So then when you have to duck down there, um, they're already there. Sure. So just simple steps like that where you think ahead and and young kids, you know, do they know what to do uh, at a second's notice? So right. always better to be prepared. And then if it doesn't happen, no big deal. Right. You know, right. And and obviously the tornado threat in, in central PA is a lot less than what we see in Alabama and Mississippi. Right. Um, but the one thing that does make our area more dangerous to even just weak tornadoes is that when tornadoes happen here, um, you have a lot of hills that obscure it and block it. Yeah, you can't see it. Good you know, point. There, are, there are certain advantages to working in a flat area. Not all of the southeast is flat, but a good chunk of real estate, you know, across Mississippi and Alabama and the Great Plains. It's flat. You yep, always get that picturesque flat. view of a tornado off in the distance around right. here. While we're not as tornado prone, tornadoes can be more dangerous in the sense that they're hidden because of our terrain. So the terrain can make it more problematic in, in, in seeing the threat coming um, and not seeing the threat coming, I should say. So that's why you always have to sure. take the warning, the warnings very seriously. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, there was one tornado that jumped the river and that was pretty fascinating. So you had some damage on the West shore and then it made uh, the leap over to Dauphin County near Matamoros and uh, areas toward Halifax. Uh, I think there was a scout camp there and I was fascinated as you know, you think of the river would like stop anything or be a break. Uh, but in this case it was not, you could literally follow that track from the West shore to the East shore. And, uh, and it's pretty amazing when you see something like that. Yeah. I mean, that's just the nature of tornadoes. They, they can, you know, make quick jumps, they can destroy the house and then the house next to it is left completely untouched. I mean, it's, it's just a, amazing how localized these very intense winds can be. Um, yeah. And you never know exactly where it's going to go, uh, which is why, you know, you've probably been under a tornado warning before and you're like, well, I never saw a tornado. Well, that's because it's really impossible to, especially when the tornado's miles away from a location that it's going to hit, it's impossible to know exactly how it's going to turn, if it's going to turn or how big it's going to be. Right. But, you know, it's very erratic, but we've gotten pretty good. We've gotten pretty good in, in actually warning people ahead of the storm, you know, back in the. 80s or i should say back in the 60s you may had a minute or two of warning lead time now we're up to 13 to 15 minutes yeah and, and it sounds little but it's huge and it's people don't appreciate you know how far we've come in 30 years as far as forecasting and, and the lives that have been saved and um you know and and people need to know how seriously we take that aspect uh, of our jobs and and you know i wouldn't say we necessarily live for those days but we certainly rise to the occasion for those days um, as meteorologists. So yeah, we're, we find the, a lot of satisfaction and, and hopefully, um, you know, saving life and, and hopefully property as, as people prepare ahead. Sure. So looking ahead to April, uh, more ups and downs, right? Um, do you have any feeling on the rest of spring and the summer? I like to be optimistic and say we're going to be smooth sailing after our April chill. You think it's going to be a chilly April? I think I think the beginning part could be, and you know, April is yeah. notorious for having a bad pattern linger. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I think once you know, I think we'll have some warm spells too. It's just getting to that point where it's like, okay, we're broken. Yeah, we're, we're past that hump, right. which for us really is is May more than than April. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
All right. Uh, summer ahead. Are we too far away to start thinking about well, summer? I mean, last year was really warm. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're going to be, you know, in, in the warmer than average ballpark again. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, th- I think so, too. And, and uh, we're actually starting to get together our, you know, we do a special that, that comes out in May. Heavily yep. severe weather oriented, but um, severe weather spring and summer outlook, right? Yep, yep. But we'll have we'll have a much better idea on what we can expect summer wise. But yeah, thinking the same thing as you, Tom. Seeing the same things at least. Well, um, you know, the thing that always gets me, and it's usually more of a fall threat, but we haven't had a big flood in a while. So I'm always on guard for flood because people don't realize flood is the major threat in Pennsylvania. It's the costliest disaster. And, uh, over time, it does the most damage. And, uh, you know, we kind of dismiss, dismiss flooding because it's not as sexy as tornadoes and, and severe weather. But, um, you know, my gut keeps saying, hey, we got to look out for a flood setup. And if you saw what happened in New Orleans uh, yesterday or this past week, there's some major flooding going on. You get what's called training where this uh, line of storage just keeps pumping over the same spot, same spot. And um, my gut says we're kind of overdue for, not that I want this to happen, but a situation like that where we haven't dealt with uh, legitimate flooding in a while. Right. Do you have any sense it, of that? I know it was bad in 2011 with Lee. Tropical yeah, that was terrible. Lee, uh, 2016, wasn't 2016 a bad year too? Uh, 16, yeah, I think we had some flooding in 16, but... Uh, you know, we haven't seen one that that rises to that occasion. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, but what I always see is, you know, a new development will go in here or a new store built here. And they, they change the landscape. And then the next time you have this flood, you're like, wow, we never had flooding here. Well, you know, you move the earth, you change the flow of the water and, and things you know, change places that didn't used to flood flood. So I'm always fascinated by the, you know, the changes uh, maybe that we cause and then blame it on the weather. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you know, you kind of diverted that water away from the creek where it was supposed to go. Right, so. you know, and, and also especially in urban areas when obviously rain, the asphalt and the blacktop and whatever can't absorb rain because it's, it's blacktop. So it always runs off even if you're in drought. Whatever rain you right. get is still going to run off on blacktop. So if you have a more urbanized area, you're going to get that water that's just it's not going to it'll absorb in the in the ground like the soil and stuff but where you have not so in much the urban, urban landscape this was exactly the problem with harvey in texas yeah you they know, paved over everything you know there's everything. so much pavement now that yep. the, you know yeah you have to look at you know how man has influenced the uh ground's ability to absorb water and when you're putting pavement over everything you're going to have rapid runoff yeah, and you know we've seen the infrastructure problems recently. I had a chance to go to the uh, uh, Pennsylvania National Fire Museum, which is in in Harrisburg and uh, right there on Fourth Street. And one of the exhibits is the you know they're showing how the water gets to a hydrant. And you know as early as 1900, 1920, a lot of those underground pipes were wooden. They were actually carved out of wood. So think about the the water coming into your house up the street through a wood pipe. <laughs> and you're like, no wonder this stuff is deteriorated. Yeah. Wood wooden piping, you know, over time just deteriorates and crumbles. Right. It's incredible. Right. So you, you, it's a sort of an inadvertent way of, of of heightening the risk, so to speak, of of any form. Yeah, because you can't disaster. drain it. Right. Yeah, you can't get rid of it. So. Right. 
All right. Well, it's been fun, my friend. Anything else on your mind weather-wise? Always is, but we got to save some material for next podcast, right? (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. Wrap us up, my friend. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tom. You're listening to It's Raining Mets.